Chapter Six, Part One of Famous Stories Every Child Should Know. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Famous Stories Every Child Should Know, edited by Hamilton Wright Maybe. Chapter Six, Part One: The Great Stone Face by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Part One. One afternoon, when the sun was going down, a mother and her little boy sat at the door of their cottage talking about the great stone face. They had but to lift their eyes, and there it was plainly to be seen, though miles away, with the sunshine brightening all its features. And what was the great stone face? Embosomed amongst a family of lofty mountains, there was a valley so spacious that it contained many thousand inhabitants. Some of these good people dwelt in log huts, with a black forest all around them on the steep and difficult hillsides. Others had their homes in comfortable farmhouses, and cultivated the rich soil on the gentle slopes or level surfaces of the valley. Others again were congregated into populous villages, where some wild highland rivulet, tumbling down from its birthplace in the upper mountain region, had been caught and tamed by human cunning and compelled to turn the machinery of cotton factories the inhabitants of this valley in short were numerous and of many modes of life but all of them grown people and children had a kind of familiarity with the great stone face although some possessed the gift of distinguishing this grand natural phenomena more perfectly than many of their neighbors the great stone face then was a work of nature in her mood of majestic playfulness formed on the perpendicular side of a mountain by some immense rocks which had been thrown together in such a position as when viewed at a proper distance precisely to resemble the features of the human countenance it seemed as if an enormous giant or a titan had sculptured his own likeness on the precipice there was the broad arch of the forehead a hundred feet in height the nose with its long bridge and the vast lips which if they could have spoken would have rolled their thunder accents from one end of the valley to the other true it is that if the spectator approached too near he lost the outline of the gigantic visage and could discern only a heap of ponderous and gigantic rocks piled in chaotic ruin one upon another retracing his steps however the wondrous features would again be seen and the farther he withdrew from them the more like a human face with all its original divinity intact did they appear until as it grew dim in the distance with the clouds and glorified vapor of the mountains clustering about it the great stone face seemed positively to be alive it was a happy lot for children to grow up to manhood or womanhood with a great stone face before their eyes for all the features were noble and the expression was at once grand and sweet as if it were the glow of a vast warm heart that embraced all mankind in its affections and had room for more it was an education only to look at it according to the belief of many people the valley owed much of its fertility to this benign aspect that was continually beaming over it illuminating the clouds and infusing its tenderness into the sunshine as we began with saying a mother and her little boy sat at their cottage door gazing at the great stone face and talking about it 
the child's name was Ernest. Mother, said he, while the titanic visage smiled on him, I wish that it could speak, for it looks so very kindly that its voice must needs be pleasant. If I were to see a man with such a face, I should love him dearly. If an old prophecy should come to pass, answered his mother, we may see a man, some time or other, with exactly such a face as that. What prophecy do you mean, dear mother? eagerly inquired Ernest. Pray tell me all about it. So his mother told him a story that her own mother had told to her when she herself was younger than little Ernest. A story not of things that were past, but of what was yet to come. A story nevertheless so very old that even the Indians who formerly inhabited this valley had heard it from their forefathers, to whom, as they affirmed, it had been murmured by the mountain streams and whispered by the wind among the treetops. The purport was that at some future day a child should be born hereabouts who was destined to become the greatest and noblest personage of his time and whose countenance in manhood should bear an exact resemblance to the great stone face. Not a few old-fashioned people, and young ones likewise, in the ardor of their hopes, still cherished an enduring faith in this old prophecy. But others, who had seen more of the world, had watched and waited till they were weary, and had beheld no man with such a face, nor any man that proved to be much greater or nobler than his neighbors, concluded it to be nothing but an idle tale. At all events, the great man of the prophecy had not yet appeared. Oh, mother, dear mother, cried Ernest, clapping his hands above his head, I do hope that I shall live to see him. His mother was an affectionate and thoughtful woman, and felt that it was wisest not to discourage the generous hopes of her little boy. So she only said to him, Perhaps you may. And Ernest never forgot the story that his mother told him. It was always in his mind, whenever he looked upon the great stone face. He spent his childhood in the log cottage where he was born, and was dutiful to his mother, and helpful to her in many things, assisting her much with his little hands, and more with his loving heart. In this manner, from a happy yet often pensive child, he grew up to be a mild, quiet, unobtrusive boy, and sun-browned with labor in the fields, but with more intelligence brightening his aspect than is seen in many lads who have been taught at famous schools. Yet Ernest had had no teacher, save only that the great stone face became one to him. When the toil of the day was over, he would gaze at it for hours, until he began to imagine that those vast features recognized him, and gave him a smile of kindness and encouragement, responsive to his own look of veneration. We must not take upon us to affirm that this was a mistake, although the face may have looked no more kindly at Ernest than at all the world beside. But the secret was that the boy's tender and confiding simplicity discerned what other people could not see, and thus the love which was meant for all became his peculiar portion. About this time there went a rumor throughout the valley that the great man foretold from ages long ago who was to bear a resemblance to the great stone face had appeared at last. It seems that many years before a young man had migrated from the valley and settled at a distant seaport, where after getting together a little money he had set up as a shopkeeper. His name 
but i could never learn whether it was his real one or a nickname that had grown out of his habits and success in life was gather gold being shrewd and active and endowed by providence with that inscrutable faculty which develops itself in what the world calls luck he became an exceedingly rich merchant and owner of a whole fleet of bulky bottomed ships all the countries of the globe appeared to join hands for the mere purpose of adding heap upon heap to the mountainous accumulation of this one man's wealth the cold regions of the north almost within the gloom and shadow of the arctic circle sent him their tribute in the shape of furs hot africa sifted for him the golden sands of her rivers and gathered up the ivory tusks of her great elephants out of the forests the east came bringing him the rich shawls and spices and teas and the effulgence of diamonds and the gleaming purity of large pearls the ocean not to be behindhand with the earth yielded up her mighty whales that mr gathergold might sell their oil and make a profit on it be the original commodity what it might it was gold within his grasp it might be said of him as of midas in the fable that whatever he touched with his finger immediately glistened and grew yellow and was changed at once into sterling metal or which suited him still better into piles of coin and when mr gathergold had become so very rich that it would have taken him a hundred years only to count his wealth he bethought himself of his native valley and resolved to go back thither and end his days where he was born with this purpose in view he sent a skilful architect to build him such a palace as should be fit for a man of his vast wealth to live in as i have said it had already been rumored in the valley that mr gathergold had turned out to be the prophetic personage so long and vainly looked for and that his visage was the perfect and undeniable similitude of the great stone face people were the more ready to believe that this must needs be the fact when they beheld the splendid edifice that rose as if by enchantment on the side of his father's old weather-beaten farmhouse the exterior was of marble so dazzlingly white that it seems as though the whole structure might melt away in the sunshine like those humbler ones which mr gathergold in his young playdays before his fingers were gifted with a touch of transmutation had been accustomed to build of snow it had a richly ornamented portico supported by tall pillars beneath which was a lofty door studded with silver knobs and made of a kind of variegated wood that had been brought from beyond the sea the windows from the floor to the ceiling of each stately apartment were composed respectively of but one enormous pane of glass so transparently pure that it was said to be a finer medium than even the vacant atmosphere hardly anybody had been permitted to see the interior of this palace but it was reported and with good semblance of truth to be far more gorgeous than the outside insomuch that whatever was iron or brass in other houses was silver or gold in this and mr gathergold's bedchamber especially made with such a glittering appearance that no ordinary man would have been able to close his eyes there but on the other hand mr gathergold was now so inured to wealth that perhaps he could not have closed his eyes unless where the gleam of it was certain to find its way beneath his eyelids in due time the mansion was finished next came the upholsterers with magnificent furniture then a whole troop of black and white servants the harbingers of mr gathergold 
who in his own majestic person was expected to arrive at sunset our friend ernest meanwhile had been deeply stirred by the idea that the great man the noble man the man of prophecy after so many ages of delay was at length to be made manifest to his native valley he knew boy as he was that there were a thousand ways in which mr gathergold with his vast wealth might transform himself into an angel of beneficence and assume a control over human affairs as wide and benignant as the smile of the great stone face full of faith and hope ernest doubted not that what the people said was true and that now he was to behold the living likeness of those wondrous features on the mountainside while the boy was still gazing up the valley and fancying as he always did that the great stone face returned his gaze and looked kindly at him the rumbling of wheels was heard approaching swiftly along the winding road here he comes cried a group of people who were assembled to witness the arrival here comes the great mr gathergold a carriage drawn by four horses dashed round the turn of the road within it thrust partly out of the window appeared the physiognomy of a little old man with a skin as yellow as if his own Midas hand had transmuted it. He had a low forehead, small, sharp eyes, puckered about with innumerable wrinkles, and very thin lips, which he made still thinner by pressing them forcibly together. The very image of the great stone face, shouted the people. Sure enough, the old prophecy is true, and here we have the great man come at last. And what? greatly perplexed ernest they seemed actually to believe that here was the likeness which they spoke of by the roadside there chanced to be an old beggar woman and two little beggar children stragglers from some far-off region who as the carriage rolled onward held out their hands and lifted up their doleful voices most piteously beseeching charity a yellow claw the very same that had clawed together so much wealth poked itself out of the coach window and dropped some copper coins upon the ground so that though the great man's name seems to have been gather gold he might just as suitably have been nicknamed scatter copper still nevertheless with an earnest shout and evidently with as much good faith as ever the people bellowed he is the very image of the great stone face but Ernest turned sadly from the wrinkled shrewdness of that sordid visage and gazed up the valley where amid a gathering mist gilded by the last sunbeams he could still distinguish those glorious features which had impressed themselves into his soul their aspect cheered him what did the benign lips seem to say he will come fear not Ernest. the man will come the years went on and Ernest ceased to be a boy he had grown to be a young man now he attracted little notice from the other inhabitants of the valley for they saw nothing remarkable in his way of life save that when the labor of the day was over he still loved to go apart and gaze and meditate upon the great stone face according to their idea of the matter it was folly indeed but pardonable inasmuch as Ernest was industrious kind and neighborly and neglected no duty for the sake of indulging this idle habit they knew not that the great stone face had become a teacher to him and that the sentiment which was expressed in it would enlarge the young man's heart and fill it with wider and deeper sympathies than other hearts they knew not that thence would come a better wisdom that could be learned from books 
and a better life that could be molded on the defaced example of other human lives neither did ernest know that the thoughts and affections which came to him so naturally in the fields and at the fireside and wherever he communed with himself were of a higher tone than those which all men shared with him a simple soul simple as when his mother first taught him the old prophecy he beheld the marvelous features beaming adown the valley and still wondered that their human counterpart was so long in making his appearance by this time poor mr gathergold was dead and buried and the oddest part of the matter was that his wealth which was the body and spirit of his existence had disappeared before his death leaving nothing of him but a living skeleton covered over with a wrinkled yellow skin since the melting away of his gold it had been very generally conceded that there was no such striking resemblance after all betwixt the ignoble features of the ruined merchant and that majestic face upon the mountainside and so the people ceased to honor him during his lifetime and quietly consigned him to forgetfulness after his decease once in a while it is true his memory was brought up in connection with the magnificent palace which he had built and which had long ago been turned into a hotel for the accommodation of strangers multitudes of whom came every summer to visit that famous natural curiosity the great stone face thus mr gathergold being discredited and thrown into the shade the man of prophecy was yet to come it so happened that a native-born son of the valley many years before had enlisted as a soldier and after a great deal of hard fighting had now become an illustrious commander whatever he may be called in history he was known in camps and on the battlefield under the nickname of old blood and thunder this war-worn veteran being now infirm with age and wounds and weary of the turmoil of a military life and of the roll of the drum and the clangor of the trumpet that had so long been ringing in his ears had lately signified a purpose of returning to his native valley hoping to find repose where he remembered to have left it the inhabitants his old neighbors and their grown-up children were resolved to welcome the renowned warrior with a salute of cannon and a public dinner and all the more enthusiastically it being affirmed that now at last the likeness of the great stone face had actually appeared an aide-de-camp of old blood and thunder traveling through the valley was said to have been struck with the resemblance moreover the schoolmates and early acquaintances of the general were ready to testify on oath that to the best of their recollection the aforesaid general had been exceedingly like the majestic image even when a boy only that the idea had never occurred to them at that period great therefore was the excitement throughout the valley and many people who had never once thought of glancing at the great stone face for years before now spent their time in gazing at it for the sake of knowing exactly how general blood and thunder looked on the day of the great festival ernest with all the other people of the valley left their work and proceeded to the spot where the sylvan banquet was prepared as he approached the loud voice of the reverend dr battleblast was heard beseeching a blessing on the good things set before them and on the distinguished friend of peace in whose honor they were assembled the tables were arranged in a cleared space of the woods shut in by the surrounding trees except where a vista opened eastward and afforded a distant view of the great stone face 
over the general's chair which was a relic from the home of washington there was an arch of verdant boughs with a laurel profusely intermixed and surmounted by his country's banner beneath which he had won his victories our friend ernest raised himself on his tiptoes in hopes to get a glimpse of the celebrated guest but there was a mighty crowd about the tables anxious to hear the toasts and speeches and to catch any word that might fall from the general in reply and the volunteer company doing duty as a guard pricked ruthlessly with their bayonets at any particularly quiet person among the throng so ernest being of an unobtrusive character was thrust quite into the background where he could see no more of old blood and thunder's physiognomy than if it had been still blazing on the battlefield to console himself he turned towards the great stone face which like a faithful and long-remembered friend looked back and smiled upon him through the vista of the forest meantime however he could overhear the remarks of various individuals who were comparing the features of the hero with the face on the distant mountainside tis the same face to a hair cried one man cutting a caper for joy wonderfully like that's a fact responded another like why i call it old blood and thunder himself in a monstrous looking-glass cried a third and why not he's the greatest man of this or any other age beyond a doubt and then all three of the speakers gave a great shout which communicated electricity to the crowd and called forth a roar from a thousand voices that went reverberating for miles among the mountains until you might have supposed that the great stone face had poured its thunder breath into the cry all these comments and this vast enthusiasm served the more to interest our friend nor did he think of questioning that now at length the mountain visage had found its human counterpart it is true ernest had imagined that this long-looked-for personage would appear in the character of a man of peace uttering wisdom and doing good and making people happy but taking an habitual breath of view with all his simplicity he contended that providence should choose its own method of blessing mankind and could conceive that this great end might be effected even by a warrior and a bloody sword should inscrutable wisdom see fit to order matters so the general the general was now the cry hush silence old blood and thunder's going to make a speech even so for the cloth being removed the general's health had been drunk amid shouts of applause and he now stood upon his feet to thank the company ernest saw him there he was over the shoulders of the crowd from the two glittering epaulets and embroidered collar upward beneath the arch of green boughs with intertwined laurel and the banner drooping as if to shade his brow and there too visible in the same glance through the vista of the forest appeared the great stone face and was there indeed such a resemblance as the crowd had testified alas ernest could not recognize it he beheld a war-worn and weather-beaten countenance full of energy and expressive of an iron will but the gentle wisdom the deep broad tender sympathies were altogether wanting in old blood and thunder's visage and even if the great stone face had assumed his look of stern command the milder traits would still have tempered it this is not the man of prophecy sighed ernest to himself as he made his way out of the throng and must the world wait longer yet the mists had congregated about the distant mountainside 
and there were seen the grand and awful features of the great stone face awful but benignant as if a mighty angel were sitting among the hills and enrobing himself in a cloud vesture of gold and purple as he looked ernest could hardly believe but that a smile beamed over the whole visage with a radiance still brightening although without motion of the lips it was probably the effect of the western sunshine melting through the thinly diffused vapors that had swept between him and the object that he gazed at but as it always did the aspect of his marvelous friend made ernest as hopeful as if he had never hoped in vain fear not ernest said his heart even as if the great face were whispering to him fear not ernest he will come more years sped swiftly and tranquilly away Ernest still dwelt in his native valley and was now a man of middle age By imperceptible degrees he had become known among the people now as heretofore he labored for his bread and was the same simple-hearted man that he had always been But he had thought and felt so much he had given so many of the best hours of his life to unworldly hopes for some great good to mankind that it seems as though he had been talking with the angels and had imbibed a portion of their wisdom unawares it was visible in the calm and well-considered beneficence of his daily life the quiet stream of which had made a wide green margin all along its course not a day passed by that the world was not the better because this man humble as he was had lived he never stepped aside from his own path yet would always reach a blessing to his neighbor almost involuntarily too he had become a preacher the pure and high simplicity of his thought which as one of its manifestations took shape in the good deeds that dropped silently from his hand flowed also forth in speech he uttered truths that wrought upon and molded the lives of those who heard them his auditors it may be never suspected that ernest their own neighbor and familiar friend was more than an ordinary man least of all did ernest himself suspect it but inevitably as the murmur of a rivulet came thoughts out of his mouth that no other human lips had spoken when the people's minds had had a little time to cool they were ready enough to acknowledge their mistake in imagining a similarity between general blood and thunder's truculent physiognomy and the benign visage on the mountainside but now again there were reports and many paragraphs in the newspapers affirming that the likeness of the great stone face had appeared upon the broad shoulders of a certain eminent statesman he like mr gathergold and old blood and thunder was a native of the valley but had left it in his early days and taken up the trades of law and politics instead of the rich man's wealth and the warrior's sword he had but a tongue and it was mightier than both together so wonderfully eloquent was he that whatever he might choose to say his auditors had no choice but to believe him wrong looked like right and right like wrong for when it pleased him he could make a kind of illuminated fog with his mere breath and obscure the natural daylight with it his tongue indeed was a magic instrument sometimes it rumbled like the thunder sometimes it warbled like the sweetest music it was the blast of war the song of peace and it seemed to have a heart in it when there was no such matter in good truth he was a wondrous man and when his tongue had acquired him all the other imaginable success 
when it had been heard in halls of state and in the courts of princes and potentates after it had made him known all over the world even as a voice crying from shore to shore it finally persuaded his countrymen to select him for the presidency before this time indeed as soon as he began to grow celebrated his admirers had found out the resemblance between him and the great stone face and so much were they struck by it that throughout the country this distinguished gentleman was known by the name of old stony fizz the phrase was considered as giving a highly favorable aspect to his political prospects for as is likewise the case with the popedom nobody ever becomes president without taking a name other than his own while his friends were doing their best to make him president old stony fizz as he was called set out on a visit to the valley where he was born of course he had no other object than to shake hands with his fellow citizens and neither thought nor cared about any effect which his progress through the country might have upon the election magnificent preparations were made to receive the illustrious statesman a cavalcade of horsemen set forth to meet him at the boundary line of the state and all the people left their businesses and gathered along the wayside to see him pass among these was Ernest though more than once disappointed as we have seen he had such a hopeful and confiding nature that he was always ready to believe in whatever seemed beautiful and good he kept his heart continually open and thus was sure to catch the blessing from on high when it should come so now again as buoyantly as ever he went forth to behold the likeness of the great stone face the cavalcade came prancing along the road with a great clattering of hoofs and a mighty cloud of dust which rose up so dense and high that the visage of the mountainside was completely hidden from Ernest's eyes all the great men of the neighborhood were there on horseback militia officers in uniform the member of Congress the sheriff of the county the editors of newspapers and many a farmer too had mounted his patient steed with his Sunday coat upon his back it really was a very brilliant spectacle especially as there were numerous banners flaunting over the cavalcade on some of which were gorgeous portraits of the illustrious statesman and the great stone face smiling familiarly at one another like two brothers if the pictures were to be trusted the mutual resemblance it must be confessed was marvelous we must not forget to mention that there was a band of music which made the echoes of the mountains ring and reverberate with the loud triumph of its strains so that airy and soul-thrilling melodies broke out among all the heights and hollows as if every nook of his native valley had found a voice to welcome the distinguished guest but the grandest effect was when the far-off mountain precipice flung back the music for then the great stone face itself seemed to be swelling the triumphant chorus in acknowledgment that at length the man of prophecy was come. End of chapter 6, part 1